Welcome again. Thanks for being here today. Thanks for being a part of this journey through the book of James. Today, we're wrapping up this series on James. And I would encourage you, if you haven't, to go back and listen to the prior sermons as we've set up this context that really arrives today at a moment where there's a word for us and there's a word for what God is doing around us. But it's built through a word that not many of us just love to get behind, and that is the word patience. So throughout the rest of our teaching, I'm going to help you. I want us to uh, unite our words around a little cadence. We're going to borrow this from our dear friends at Paradise Baptist. So I'm going to say saints, and y'all are going to say be patient. Saints, be patient. So let's try it real quick. Saints, be patient. Saints, be patient. You're like, I'm not a saint. What are you talking about? Actually, the Bible tells you that if you are part of a church, and for right now, every one of you is part of a church, you are a saint who is called to the work of ministry. That is your calling. And so whether it's coming beside Miss Nielsen, Bryn over at Robert Frost Elementary, whether it is ministering to people in your neighborhood, saints are people who are called to ministry. They are not people with perfect character. They are people who are called to do the work of ministry. That is your calling, church. And the way that we're going to step into that today is to consider how patience is an essential element of that. To begin our discussion about patience, I want to talk about farming. How many of you grew up in a rural community, semi-rural community, and there was a farm or you lived on a farm somewhere nearby? Anybody from kind of a rural community? Okay, great. I want you to type into the chat, what was the produce or the livestock or what type of farming was happening around you? In other words, like give us a little bit of a tour of where you were and what was being farmed. I'll share real quick. My family and I lived in Western Colorado for a number of years. So think way far West, almost to the Utah border, high desert. And yet where we lived had some of the most rich and fertile soil for growing an abundance of crops. And the abundance of crops that was right there in Western Colorado, if you ever see this at the grocery store, you have to get it, were Palisade peaches. I'm not kidding you. I didn't know this until I moved there. But Palisade peaches from Western Colorado, they're about this big. I mean, they're literally the size of like my fist put together and they are amazing. So if you go to the grocery store and you see Palisade peaches, grab them, like don't hesitate. They're so good. Even if you don't like peaches, like just give it a try. You will not regret it. Okay, in the chat, I see spinach. I see, wow, raising llamas. Okay, love that. Sugar beets, there's a couple more up there. This is terrific. So have you ever met an impatient farmer? It is not possible to be a farmer and to be impatient. It doesn't work like that. You have to be willing to do the work of tilling the soil, of amending the soil, of getting everything ready for your crops. And then like the text that Ryan just read for us, you have to be patient waiting for the rain, the weather patterns of the place where you live. In the ancient Near East, this is the reason it's mentioned there, there were heavy spring rains, and then there were usually heavy fall rains. So James is writing this to encourage a group of people who are familiar with agriculture to say, look, being patient in the work of ministry, it's like waiting for both sets of rains to make sure your crops are ready to go. And James is writing this letter. Remember, he's a leader in the early church. He has this amazing journey of coming to faith. He's Jesus's half-brother, which is just mind-blowing. He's writing this letter to the church at a time when they have yet to start sending out missionaries. Now, there may have been a few here and there, but this is in the earliest days of the church. We think maybe 80, 40, 80, 50, somewhere in there. 
And so the earliest recorded missionary journeys, like for Paul and Barnabas, they're not going to start for another maybe five or 10 years. So what James is doing in this moment is he's almost giving a manual at the end of his letter to these saints, these missionaries spread around the Roman Empire before they start going on their missionary journeys. And what is the key element to doing ministry for a long time, to working on these challenging issues like homelessness, like racial justice and reconciliation, like teaching kids the faith? What is the key, church? It is patience. So say it with me. Saints, be patient. One more time. Saints, be patient. We're going to look at what the text has to say about this today in two different headings. The first is, what is it? What is patience? And the second is, what does it bring? So the first is, what is patience? And what does it bring? Let's go straight into the text. Open up your Bibles if you have them with you. James chapter 5. We're just going to look at verses 7 and 8. It's a wonderful short passage today. The word patience pops up in our passage three different times as a noun and as an adjective. And the Greek word there is marathumeo. Marathumeo. That means to wait with humble expectation. To wait with humble expectation. In other words, in the biblical witness, Patience and humility are inextricably linked. Why? Because you presume in this type of framework that if you are patient, if you are practicing patience, someone else, in this case, the Lord, understands the timing, understands the rhythm, understands the pace of the work that's in front of you better than you do. And it takes a humble person to say, you know what? I don't see the whole thing. I don't understand it completely, but the Lord does, and I'm going to trust his timing in the work of ministry. This New Testament word, marathumeo, it actually only happens 10 times in the entire New Testament, but it happens three times in the passage that we have in front of us today. It's a phenomenal witness to the importance of patience. Now, how many of you remember going to weddings? Hopefully those are coming back soon. At a wedding, you have actually heard this word patience probably repeated many times because the most popular scripture passage people read at weddings is 1 Corinthians 13. Love is patient. Love is kind. That word patience is the same word that is being used here in the text. Why is it important for the church to be hearing this word about patience? It's not just because it's going to be practical for them in ministry. It's not just because that 1 Corinthians 13 passage says love should be patient and all of us who are married should say, oh, amen. Thank you that love is patient. It's important because it's a critical foundational aspect of God's character. Now, let me back up the camera lens for just a minute. In the ancient Near East, gods and goddesses, little g gods, little g goddesses, in the Greco-Roman world, in the world, in the Persian world, in all of these different religions, gods and goddesses were not patient. If you read any of the ancient uh, mythologies, you will see that gods and goddesses were very fickle. They would get very angry very quickly. And then what did the people who were living under those gods and goddesses have to do? They would have to appease the wrath and anger of those gods and goddesses. Nowhere in the context of those relationships was the concept of patience. The God of the Bible is a patient God. And that is because he is motivated by love. The ancient gods and goddesses of the ancient Near East, they weren't motivated by love. They were motivated by fealty, by wanting to get what they wanted out of their subjects. But no, the God of Jesus, the God who is Jesus, he's different. He's a patient 
God. In 2 Peter 3, 9, this word patience comes up again, and it says this, God is patient with us for our sakes. He's patient with you. He's patient with me. Why? Because it is a core part of his loving character as a father. He's patient. And I was just reflecting on this this week. Some of the most impactful relationships in my life have modeled the patience of God for me. I've told y'all before about my youth group leader that helped lead me to Christ, helped me make a decision for faith that was uniquely my own, but shaped by the community I was a part of. And his name is Trey. We still keep in touch to this day. And one of the things that Trey did throughout my teenage years was that he would meet with me and a group of my friends for a Bible study at his house. We would always have uh, pizza rolls. You know what pizza rolls are? They're like a little like baked, like croissant with pizza inside of it. He loved these pizza rolls. So we knew when we went to Trey's house, we were going to get pizza rolls. And then he might teach us about the Bible and we'd get to see all of our friends. And he was so patient with us. There were eight to 10 of us squirrely middle schoolers running around, just doing all kinds of stupid stuff. And then when we got to high school, we were doing more stupid stuff, but it was a little bit more mature. He was so patient. And I knew that when I had these questions about faith, that my patient and faithful friend Trey is the person that I could go to church when we are able to live in that patience that God models for us, it changes us. It changes the world around us. So saints, be patient because you don't know what the outcome of that patience is going to be. Case in point, now we're moving on to section two. What does patience bring? What does it produce? It produces an unstoppable movement. An unstoppable movement. Now, I mentioned earlier that James is writing this letter before the missionary movement of Jesus begins to really pick up steam. Paul and Barnabas haven't been sent out yet. But there are people waiting in the wings who are being transformed by the power of Jesus Christ who are about to be sent forth. But they had no idea how transformative this unstoppable movement called the church was about to become. Let me show you what I mean real quick. I'm going to bring up a uh, map that I want you all to check out. And it is right on my desktop. There we go. Where did you guys go? There you are. This map is really going to help us see how this unstoppable movement of Jesus gripped the whole world and continues to do so. So this is called the spread of Christianity. Let me make it a little bit bigger for y'all. And it's amazing to look at the spread of the gospel. Now, if you look at it, think of it like a heat map where it's dark red and kind of almost brownish. That is where the movement of Jesus originated. That's where the faith that many of us proclaim, that's where it came from. So, of course, that's the hottest part of the map. That's the earliest part of the journey of this movement known as the church. But look, follow the chart at the bottom. Look, it starts to spread out. See where it's green and where it's blue. That's where the faith starts to move long after James writes this. Centuries later, it starts to arrive in Europe. And it's led by great missionaries and by great leaders. Is this a perfect movement? No, not at all. We could talk about the Crusades and how flawed and broken all that work was in many ways. But the point I'm trying to make is this unstoppable movement of Jesus has touched nearly every corner of the world. And I think this map's a little bit out of date because those white 
areas are supposedly where there has not yet been the spread of the church. The church is exploding in places like India and China and in South America. So in showing y'all this map, the point I want to make is this. When you are practicing the Jesus, you are finding your place in the jumping Oh, I can't hear him anymore. Here, wait. Somebody needs to mute real quick, if you would. Turning into a robot. So an unstoppable movement that is being carried out all over the world. The people who are a part of this journey of the church, they had to be patient. They didn't know where all this was going. Those missionaries who got on the boats and came over here to the United States and helped colonize and all that kind of thing, they had no idea that they were going to be building this movement of the church. Again, not perfectly with tons of flaws and tons of things that are just so broken and difficult. And yet they had the humility to say, we think God has called us to spread the gospel and we're going to be a part of that. And you are part of that too, church. You are part of that. As our world starts to come out from underneath this dark cloud of the pandemic, as we start to take steps forward, Lord, may we be taking steps forward. Know that you are part of a movement that is founded on the principle of the good news of Jesus Christ and the calling of his people to be patient. So that's part one. What does it produce? It produces an unstoppable movement of the church that we are a part of, Bethany. And then the second thing that it produces is a transformed people an unstoppable movement and a transformed people. You are that transformed people, church. Take a look at verse eight with me. Go back to James chapter five. Take a look at verse eight. I'll read it for us. James writes, you too, y'all, all of y'all must be patient. Saints, be patient. He's saying it right here. And then he says this, he says, take courage for the coming of the Lord is near. What does that mean? Well, the coming of the Lord is near refers to the return of Jesus as he promised. In this, these early stages of the journey of the church, they didn't know if he was going to come back tomorrow or next week or next month. Turns out we're still waiting, but that day will come when the restoration of all things happens. It is coming. That's a totally different sermon. But what are people being called to? They're being called to courage. That word, that's actually one Greek word that's translated take courage. Take courage. It means to find your direction, to set your direction, and to follow it unswervingly. To find your direction and follow it unswervingly. This same word is used in Luke chapter 9. Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem. He gets up on a precipice. He looks out and he sees the city in front of him. The city where he is going to go, by the way, and face his darkest moments of loneliness, of fear, of getting beaten up and tortured and then eventually being killed on a cross. He looks and he knows all of that is coming. And the scripture tells us he set his face toward Jerusalem. And he patiently endured everything that was ahead of him. Because of his love for us, for you, for me. He endured. So church, set your direction and walk it. Take courage, follow this out. How do we even start? Let me make a suggestion. And you'll talk about this in your breakout rooms. Where do you most feel the need for the Lord to give you some patience? Phrase it a little bit differently. Where do I feel most incapable of patience? Oh man, how much time you got? <laughs> Where am I most incapable of being patient? I'll tell you all a quick story. 
Some of you know that a few weeks ago, I ran a half marathon with a group of my friends. First time I'd ever done that. It was great. I have no desire to run a full marathon, by the way. Those of y'all that have done that, like I tip my cap to you. But about 10 days before my half marathon, I tweaked my knee. I was exercising and just something wasn't right with my knee. It turned out it was just overuse. I'd just been training a lot and I needed a break. I'm not a spring chicken anymore. But I'll tell you, to just rest and take it easy was hard. And one of the things that it revealed to me was I'm not very good at being patient. And one of the outflows of that was I wasn't very good to my wife or to my children. I was short with them. I was impatient. I was just checked out mentally because I was going, am I going to be able to run this race? Like, what's going to happen? I've trained so hard. I don't want to lose this. And all of the patience that I might have had just sort of squiggle away. And maybe you've been there too. Maybe you've had a similar experience. The end of that story was, is I was fine and I got to run a great race. But the better part of that story, the part that I'm deeply grateful for, is that in the midst of my wrestling with my being unable to run for a little while, God brought up parts of my character that really need to be examined. And now, not that I'm doing this perfectly, I have a long way to go, but I feel like I've been brought into a different place in terms of my desire to be patient, to practice this humble waiting with my family, with our ministry together as a church with all these important things that I want us to work on. I so want us to find ways to impact the lives of kids experiencing homelessness. But if you wanna do that well, you need to be patient. I can't tell you how many people I know who are so passionate about the work of racial justice and reconciliation. I think it's awesome, but I know a lot of people who've gotten burned out on their passion. And my caution for us is let us be patient as we seek God's calling. Let us be patient as we examine those places in our lives where we most deeply need to be patient, anticipating, giving thanks to God in advance for the work that he will do in each of us, like he did in me, to change our character, to transform our hearts. Because man, do we need it? I need it. We have a long way to go. But I believe that through the power of Jesus Christ, we will get there. So as a next step, as a first step in that direction, you're going to get to go to your breakout rooms in just a moment. If you've not done this with us before, we want our breakout rooms to be a safe place. So whatever you share in your breakout room, that group is committed to keeping that confidence. And we want you to be able to have a dialogue. The question is there in the chat and in your bulletin. What is one place where you need more help being patient? And I had a different question written into the bulletin. I want you all to tuck that away maybe for another time. The question I want you to follow up with that is, is really, it's not a question, just pray for each other. If somebody says, you know what, I'm having a really hard time being patient with my boss, I would love for one person in that group to say, hey, when you're done sharing, I'd love to pray for you in your relationship with your boss. And that's it. And then you move on to the next person and you go around the circle. I would love for this to be a time where we share and where that sharing is met with grace and with prayer. So to go to your breakout rooms, after I'm done praying, click on the breakout rooms button, click join breakout rooms. Jesse, our wonderful Zoom host has organized this for us already, thank you. And you'll get a chance to have a great dialogue with people who want you to take steps forward in faith. So church, be patient. Saints, be patient. Let's go now into our breakout rooms. Let's pray together. Jesus, thank you for your word. Thank you for your church. It's not perfect. Oh man, we are far from perfect. 
but we want to be a people who are with you on this journey and who practice patience well. So help us, lead us, and speak to us. Use this time in our breakout rooms for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen.